glory to God, glory to God. You got your Bibles today? Open them, please, if you would, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. <laughs> glory be to God. I said glory be to God. A few weeks ago, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and per the assignment, I think you're aware of this by now. I don't have to say it all the time, but I, we've got watchers now all over the world, literally. And uh, there's always someone new. So they need to know. That the primary office we operate in is not pastoral, although we're a pastor to pastors and we're a pastor to you. And that is one of our giftings and it's as strong. It doesn't mean it's less. It just means it's different. You understand? But, you know, they see us as spiritual parents. You just heard from folks that, that they allow us to pastor them as well. But yet they're pastors. So they're pastors and have a pastor. You understand? But when I go preach in their church, they don't invite me down to speak in their church as a pastor. I mean, if I were to call them up, am I telling the truth? They're drawing on that primary office. And it's in that office, whether or not you're in the local church, the anointing determines the office, not the location. You have to realize that Jesus operated in all five offices. We're about to read a situation here where he was preaching in his hometown. All right, I see where we're headed, so let's just go there. But anyway, he was preaching in his hometown, and Jesus, although he was the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, and he operated in all five offices, his earthly ministry was conducted primarily in the office of prophet more than any other office. Now, the prophet office almost always goes with the office of teacher when it operates in fullness. You see it throughout the Word of God consistently, certain prophets and teachers, prophets and teachers, which is why it came to pass as he was teaching. Now, in the prophet's office, when that anointing comes and you prophesy, there can be a proclamation, which is, Oh, anybody thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. On the temple steps and there's thousands of people, he's preaching. So he's a preacher and a teacher. But when it came to getting faith in the people, on a consistent operation, especially God's people, God's covenant people in the synagogue, he operated, sent there as a prophet, and the prophet's office manifested in the teaching gift more often than anything else. Now, as we see this, especially the office of prophet, we see that he's a preacher. Now, how, and, and you know, I wondered for years about the gospel that's, the, uh, the writings of the gospel that say, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, now, there's a lot to that, and that's not my message today at all. However, there is a spiritual law there that people miss, and they miss it, well, I mean, I'd say, honestly, way up in the high 90s, 98, 99% of the body of Christ it's totally missed this. That is that how you receive a person determines what that person can do in your life. 
Jesus made it very clear that he that receives me receives him that sent me. <clears throat> I said, Jesus made it very clear. He that receives me receives him that sent me. Didn't he make that clear? And this is Jesus' teaching in, in, in uh, you know, Matthew chapter 10. He says, he that receives a prophet, then he talks about a disciple and a righteous man. That tells you then that just because a person walks in an office doesn't mean that's the way you received them. Now, we got a problem in a ditch on both sides. I'm your brother. You're my brother and sister. And people always ask me, well, what do you want people to call you? I say, well, brother, that's who I am. Because I'm not the one that gets to determine who I am to you. You're the one that determines that. Right? You understand what I'm saying now? So what happens is, is there's a lot of people over the years that have attended my church for a long time and I was never their pastor. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they didn't do a thing I said. We're talking about spiritual authority here. Amen. So Jesus, and we're, we're obviously we'll get to Jesus' hometown and the way it operated there, and I don't want to get so deep in it, I, I miss the balance of where we're headed. But what I'm trying to communicate is, is evidently you can receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get the prophet's reward, which indicates you're going to get what you expect. Not what I came anointed with, but what you expect. Which is why Jesus asked the question when they came out to hear him preach. He said, what did you come out to see? Huh? Because he couldn't do more for them than they came out to see. Huh? I mean, today, if you came out to see Shakira perform up here, you, I, that's just a name I pulled out. I, You're going to be sorely disappointed. Well, now, why are y'all laughing all crazy? What other name? Yeah, I just pull out a bunch of names, you know. Huh? The reason they don't receive in church is they came to see me, but their minds don't secure it. I'm just being honest. You're either in the room or you're not. Huh? I mean, y'all think it's funny. I don't think it's funny at all because there was a there's a reason I brought that name up. I happen to know somebody that uh, with a famous pop star that was doing a tour in the Americas, South America, and hired him as a bodyguard, and they're an ordained minister. And I said, uh -uh, don't you do it. Well, they did it anyway. Cost them everything. 
I don't care what you say about, well, I should just be strong enough. <laughs> you can't violate the word and get godly results. The only way to get Bible results is do the Bible. Grace can't keep you when you're in disobedience. Because we're not graced to disobey the Bible. The grace empowers us to obey the Bible. Because the Bible gives commands for us to do that we can't do in our own strength. So it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And it's the spirit of grace. Glory to God. Glory to God. And where there's great grace, there's great power. Where there's great grace, there's great gifts. Grace isn't just a teaching. It's empowerment. It's authorization from heaven. It's finding favor with God because I've had a personal interaction with him and he from another world put something on me to accomplish a task I can't do in my own strength. That's grace. And every ministry gift is a grace, which means as long as I'm under this grace and you receive the grace and not Tracy Harris, you can get a miracle. Because the grace that's on me and has been on me for years now and now coming into fullness all over the world is to carry an anointing that will work creative miracles and deliverance and to preach this gospel and it'll work because God's no respect or person to everybody and anyone that'll believe it regardless of their, their economic status, regardless of their educational background, regardless of their culture, their nationalism, the color of their skin, or their gender. I'm telling you, God Almighty, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, today, if you're a whosoever, you can have this life I'm talking about. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. But there has to be now, there has to be an awareness of this. And so, I mean, I could go deeper in that. But obviously, he says, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, that indicates that you could receive a prophet, somebody who's actually a prophet, but receive them in another name. And that's the key. The key is you can receive them in another office, in another way, or just as a good teacher. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, he said, that's, the Spirit of God just said, that's the difference between Christianity and, say, Islam. Because Christianity, Jesus is the spotless, sinless son of the living God, virgin born. To Islam, he's a great teacher and a good prophet. The difference is heaven and hell. Well, we do have help from the Holy Ghost. See, he, he, he can help you if you'll just let him. Praise the Lord. So it's time to receive him differently. Now, that's really what our sister was talking about when she went to Luke 4 is it's impossible. Okay, I'll do, I'll do that. Seems to me this office is in operation because the teaching anointing is growing stronger as the more I talk today. So go with me to James 1. Let me show you something. And I think it'll be a blessing to you. James chapter 1. And I want you to see what it says, starting around verse 21. He says, actually, let's just read verse 22. <clears throat> but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. See, Satan, <laughs> Satan doesn't have to do much when he has that much help. 
I mean, if you're self-deceived, the deceiver doesn't have to do much. So a person's not even, in fact, according to James, I'm not even supposed to let you think that if you waver, you'll receive anything. <laughs> and a lot of folks think that. A lot of folks sit in church consistently frustrated at God because it hadn't happened yet and they don't understand why. Now, the problem is, with that attitude is, it's on God's end. Hello? Like, I've done everything I'm supposed to do and I'm waiting on God. No, you're not. I said, no, you're not. No, we've got to do the word to be blessed. We can't just be hearers. And, I, and here's the thing. I can't do the word for you and you can't do the word for your husband. We need to understand that it's very important. Glory be to God for us to hear this to the degree that we're at the ready to accept it and respond. And what he's saying here is this, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his doing. Now here's the point that I want to make here. He says that when you look in the word, you see what you look like. Are you with me? And he says the man that acts like what he looks like will be blessed when he does that act. In other words, what he's, what he's ultimately saying is your and my doing, it is impossible for it to extend past how we see ourselves. No one will do anything outside the boundaries of how they see themselves. Now here's the second law of this. The second law of this is it's virtually impossible. Excuse me. Virtually impossible for a person when they don't believe they can do it to really believe somebody else can. Which is why you have so many naysayers. See, anybody that's about to have a baby, first thing that comes, I mean hundreds of them come out of the woodworks and everybody wants to tell their labor story. And almost all of them have a horror attached to it. What I went through. Well, that doesn't mean it's going to be that way with you. That's why there's a lot of people that hate pastoring because it destroyed their family. They almost lost their soul over it. They went into depression. But if you're operating in grace, it don't matter what people do. Jesus turned around and said he was the shepherd. He just turned around and said, y'all going away too? <laughs> Somehow the people leaving that day didn't dent his identity. He was still as anointed after they all left as he was when he was preaching to them and before they came. See, you coming to the meeting or not doesn't validate me as a pastor. It's the anointing on me that validates me. You understand? And we've got to come to the place where if we're really going to handle this thing, 
Did you ever notice about Jesus? If, if Jesus was a modern-day, young, charismatic, white-toothed, skinny-jean preacher, he would absolutely have allowed them to come and make him king. But Jesus did just the opposite. When he found out they wanted to make him king, he withdrew. He took his name out of the hat. Because I'm not here to build a big Twitter account, he said. Thereby validating my ability to be immoral in the pulpit. As long as I look good and have a good show and preach a positive message. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath here. <laughs> I'm telling you there's a glory storm coming. I'm telling you that as sure as I told you there was a shaking coming. <laughs> and we're right now headed headlong into it. And this is going to blow the world apart in some worlds, and this is going to bring the world back together for others. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, that is the fullness. His presence, that's what we're here for. Praise God, and he is here, and I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being here today, for honoring me enough in my human fallibility that you would manifest yourself in my presence and care even what I thought about it. But you did it all for me. I humble myself before you, King. What would you have me do next, sir? I'm showing up for duty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we see then, we see then that there's a grace here, and, and the grace is the anointing. Now, let's jump into this in Luke 4 very quickly because the two things is that I already showed you in, in James 1 that he wanted to point out, the Holy Spirit wanted to point out, is no one's life can have doings beyond how they see themselves. So it's how we see ourselves. That's why 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish you above all things you might prosper and be in health even as. Even as what? Your soul prospers. See, the problem with the body of Christ is there's not soul prosperity. Oh, there's heads stuffed full of a bunch of facts. But I'm talking about soul prosperity. And that's why it's hard to break the, the spirit of poverty off people and they chase the dollar and all that is because they're, they're skewed on what's valuable. Their soul is not convinced of what's really valuable. So they're chasing their tail. So there needs to be a renewing of the mind. And that comes from the Word of God, of course. Now, as we're talking about that, then our health, our general welfare and our physical health and our prosperity will never extend beyond the level of our soul prospering. It says very clearly there that we'll be conformed to this world if we don't renew our mind. 
But if we will renew our mind, our lives will be transformed. Well, that's why we came today. See, church isn't supposed to be you come in here with your mind about it, and I come in here with my thoughts and opinions about it, and I try to convince you. That's not what church is. The gospel was never designed to be explained. Because it's not up for debate. <laughs> it's the word of God. It was designed to be announced. And it doesn't work right unless it's commanded. Amen? We literally robbed the gospel of all its power when we tried to emotionally appeal to people to get them to understand it. This is a spiritual book. And I hate to tell you, but the files of your mind doesn't have enough RAM to understand this. That's probably an old school term. I don't know what it is today. <laughs> but I'm telling you by the Spirit of God then that number one, our doings will never go further than we see ourselves. Number two, how we see ourselves is like a projector. See, no one will project an image they don't have. It's kind of, once again, to use the computer example or, or like a, a, a camera. Um, you take a, a still shot camera and whatever it's pointed at, that's the image it's going to capture. Are you with me? And so if you want a different image, you've got to point the camera different. Or let's talk about a video recording or maybe a movie theater. They don't change cameras out every time they get a new movie at the theater. They just install the movie in that same camera. So you have to understand, any human can only project what they see. But the flip side is true. Flip side is also true. What you do see, you will project. Which is why when folks question you all the time, suspect your motives and all of that, you better watch out for them. Don't ever put them in leadership. Because it's not really you they're questioning. They're doubting you because their motives are suspect. That's the reason people doubt. Have a hard time believing God will keep his word because they don't keep their own word. One of the number one steps to really believe in God will keep his word is you start keeping yours. And when you become a person that keeps your word, it'll be so much easier to believe God will keep his. Because no one can project anything that's not in them. And so therefore, what winds up happening is we throw that image off on others. So we have a few experiences and we think the whole church is immoral. No, it's just the ones that make YouTube. See, no, there's a remnant that's going to absolutely just outrun Ahab's horses in the glory. I'm telling you, there's a group of people that have been faithful and true and God knows those that are his, the scripture says, and he's got his name in them and on them. You, so you can't have the Elijah attitude of, I'm the only you go into depression that way. No. He said, I have 7,000 had to bow the knee to Baal. Just because you don't know them doesn't mean I don't have them. 
That's what I've told people for years about miracles. Oh, the miracles overseas. I don't understand why we don't see any miracles in America. I said, where have you been? You need to follow me around for a while. Huh? See, people assume that because they've never seen a miracle in church, they're not happening. They're happening all the time where we go. In almost every church we go into, there's miracles in this room. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. And I expect one every time I preach. Many more than one. Miracles in multiples. Glory be to God. Because the worker of miracles is the one sent me. The deliverer is the one told me what to say. Woo! Glory be to God. And he intends for you to have the impact of why he came. Hallelujah. He did it for you because he loves you. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, my, 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 my. Glory, glory, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Man, I sense the anointing moving in the room right now. There's deliverance in the house for you. There's healing in the house for you. There's increase. Say increase. Say it again. Say it one more time. Woo, glory to God. Now, if you hadn't found Luke 4 by now, punch your neighbor and say, would you please help me? I don't know my Bible. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 4. <laughs> Luke chapter 4. Let's read the verse that was already read here. It says that, Jesus came to Nazareth, verse 16, where he had been brought up. As his custom was, as his custom was, as his custom was, Jesus is a churchgoer. Oh, I love, I'm in love with Jesus. Then go to church. I mean, my goodness. If you're really in love with Jesus, Because he loves the assembly. He's in church every time the doors are open. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> he created everything. You know, I can get in touch with God out there bass fishing on Sunday with a, in the oak trees and the river, drinking my six-pack. You outfit, you. As his custom was. I said, as his custom was. He went to church. <laughs> On the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book, woo, glory to God, of the prophet. Now, you're about to see something here. Jesus considered Isaiah a prophet. Therefore, he saw himself as the prophet said he was. Oh, come on now. Y'all not getting this. See, this isn't just about Jesus walking in the office of prophet here. This is about Jesus having this anointing on him because he believed the prophet. Am I helping anybody at all? Prophet's not prophesying for himself. Glory to God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Glory be to God. Well, was the Spirit on Isaiah when he prophesied? Sure it was. Of course it was. 
But guess what? The Spirit was on Isaiah when he prophesied. So it's true that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. But the Spirit of the Lord on him had him prophesy about the Spirit of the Lord on someone else. Glory to God. You need to understand that the prophetic utterance that nothing works unless the Scripture says when Paul wrote to Timothy, here's what he said. The husbandman must be first partaker of the fruits. That's a spiritual law right there. You're not fit to teach faith if you don't live by faith. You're not fit to preach miracles if you can't produce any and there's none that happen. If it doesn't work for me, why am I pawning it off on you? Hello? Amen? All right, so if we're going to grow a garden and won't eat our own cooking, I mean, hey. You know, they say never trust a skinny cook. Well, I don't know nothing about a skinny cook or a fat cook, but what I do know, if you won't eat your own cooking. <laughs> All right. Now let's get back to the book here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath, he hath anointed me too. Woo, glory. Glory to God. He hath anointed me to preach. Good news. Did you know there's an anointing every time you preach God's a good God? Oh, glory. Did you know something good is going to happen to you? Did you know God is such a good God and he never changes? You can expect a miracle today. Woo, glory to God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this good God who loves you is right here to do his word. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Woo! I don't know about you, but good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor anymore. Evidently, there's an anointing to break the back of poverty. And ultimately, before we're done here in, in a few minutes, I'm not going to rush through it, which is why we give ourselves time, but oh, glory to God, we got plenty of time today. It's way early in the morning. And I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me about where we are with this. And I talked to you about this being a decade of deliverance. Once again, I'm going to rehearse the title we've been in the last few weeks and talk about one specific aspect of it. And I'm about ready to do that. But, but let's look here now and see what this says first. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal. Say to heal. To heal, to heal the brokenhearted. Glory be to God. I tell you, somebody right now just got a revelation that you can come out of that mental despair, that soul torture, that depression dysfunction in the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you three anointed words right now from the Holy Ghost. Get over it! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory be to God. And he's anointed me to preach, I love this, deliverance. Shout it out, deliverance. He's anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. Hallelujah. Deliverance to the captives. I said deliverance. Glory to God, deliverance. 
deliverance to every captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable, favorable year of the Lord. Dropping down, it says this day. This day. This scripture. <laughs> this day. This scripture is fulfilled. Where is it fulfilled? I was in Colorado. I'll never forget being there. And the Lord woke me up that morning and began to talk to me about this. And he said, I want to show you something about this that you've never heard preached. But I want you to deal with it this morning. I said, okay. So uh, I started preaching this scripture. And the Lord said to me, this is what I want. He dealt with me about this. He said, this, this day, this day, today, this scripture is fulfilled. And I always read that like while you're hearing it right here is being fulfilled. That's not what that says. That is not at all what that says. It says this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Which means someone who hears, ah, ah, it's been fulfilled for me. It's finished. I'm healed. They can come up in the line. I lay hands on them. They get healed because it got fulfilled in their ears. When they heard me preach it, they heard it fulfilled. I'm, it's fulfilled. I'm free. But here's another person next to them. They don't get their miracle because it wasn't fulfilled in their ears. They're still begging and pleading and hoping to get their miracle. They're still trying to get God to move. You have to understand that this isn't fulfilled at large for everyone. It's fulfilled in your ears. When you see it, when you hear it, when you get revelation of it, when you say, that's me he's talking about, and today is my day, and I'm not leaving without it because Satan's already been broken. Today's my day of deliverance. Glory be to God. Today is my day. I'm not spending another day in this mess. Today is my day. Glory be to God. Get over it. So it's how we hear it. Well, that's the same message of receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. See, how you receive it is what you're going to get. Not how it's preached, but how it's heard. Amen? So as we hear it, so then faith cometh by hearing. So you can see how you hear it in your ears determines whether you have faith to receive it right now or not. Does that make sense? Now, in, in, in that meeting, the Lord's reminded me of something here because my wife was with me and we happened to be uh, in the church of a spiritual son and daughter of ours. And hello, guys. We love you. Praise the Lord. And we were ministering there in Colorado and there was a, a woman who was in her early 40s. I think, you know, just turned 40, 41. And uh, I noticed while I was preaching, boy, power of God kept coming on her and coming on her, but she was reacting to it too, boy. And she was in front of me and she was toward the inside there. And... <clears throat> So she's now in a part of our nation. Let's just be honest now. We're talking about liberal culture, full of new age, the whole deal now, but grew up in the South. Okay, it's up there because of what happened to her in the South. Now, I had no idea, but see, she said, I mean, she heard I was coming and she saw some things. I don't know if she saw a clip or whatever, but she was already set up to not like me. 
And the reason she was is because you have to understand this backstory as to why. But she basically said, one thing I just I just can't stand I just can't I just can't stand these these loud, you know, forceful. Well, it's because she had been accosted, even molested. See, so you can see how she projected forty years of bondage onto me. All right, so I'm preaching along, and the anointing of God is ripping through the place. I'm talking about ripping. And so, it, so I can just see it just coming on her, and she just can't, she can't look at me. And she's like, finally, at one point, she's, it's like she started, ah, ah. so she, she gets up and she leaves. And so I keep on preaching. A few minutes, she comes back, sits down where she was, and just like she's forcing herself to stay there. Come to find out, <clears throat> she said she went to the restroom. I mean, everything in her, she wanted to pull her hair out, scream, run, run to the car, leave. Well, that wasn't her. That wasn't me. That was that demon. Am I telling the truth, honey? And she went to the restroom and she said, God, she said, God, you know, this is the very thing I was afraid of. You know I hate this. You know I don't like this. And God said, I've sent him for your deliverance. You get out of this bathroom and get back in there now. She told us later he had to be that forceful or she had to never she had make she had to make herself. Well, because that demon had hold of her. Well, I'm preaching well when I begin to pray for him. She let out a blood curdling scream. She fell out on the floor, started manifesting, let out a blood. And then afterward, we're eating lunch, and she's sitting there with us across the table, eating lunch with us as peaceful as could be. Well, she got delivered telling us her story that as a young toddler in a church nursery she got violated and molested and she's now 40 years old and she said for somewhere like 38 or 39 years of my life I've never been able to function normal well it's because that demon got in there and I'm telling you under that anointing 40 years of bondage. Ah! Sane. In a right mind. Able to have healthy relationships. I'm talking about we come to preach deliverance. I said we come to preach deliverance. And I'm telling you there's deliverance in this room right now. Glory to God. Come on here. Step up here, brother. Give me a microphone. Step right up here. Tell them what happened to that guy that just nearly literally went to heaven early on us. Glory to God. Y'all keep Mike's handy if you would. Thank you. I hand that to him. Tell him the, the, we'll get you back up here on some other thing. Tell him the Reader's Digest version if you would. But this, is, this anointing is happening. And it's happening through the body. And we're, obey God. Here at the fairgrounds, oh, uh, yesterday, two weeks ago, approximately, they had a, um, uh, an arts kind of a thing with people that had made things and they had them all out there. And it was, it was pretty full uh, for a Christmas deal. And just as Tommy came, my wife, and I were walking by this booth, there was, and there was a lot of people out there. This man, just as we passed him, like passing this pulpit, just as we passed him, this man, oh, I'd say in about his 50s, boom, just like a tree, hit the ground. And he's laying there. He's covered up with people. And 
just his legs sticking out. I mean, he's that covered up with people worrying about him and stuff. His wife is standing there uh, crying. But all this just happened in a few seconds. He's laying there, and the Holy Spirit just rose up in me and had me do something. And sometimes you'll, you'll say things. The Lord will just come out of you when you're in a certain place in a time. And uh, I latched hold of his leg. I got a hold of his leg, and he just came out. Come back. man's eyes opened up and he's looking around and I'm just praying Lord restore him and when I said that he set up like a 90 degree he set up all his coloring's back in his face he's okay he's okay now the people not knowing any better the people he's with grab him and force him to lay back down again here, here you need you need to wait on the ambulance and he says no I'm okay I don't know where I've been I don't know what happened but I'm okay and uh, and like Tommy K said, uh, hey, this man's covered up. He needs some air. <laughs> we need to back up and let this man have some air. And he says, I'm okay. So, so we went ahead and left. But it's just, I just want to brag on God. Take that with you right here and, and just uh, leave it with Brother Curtis. Glory to God. Can we rejoice here for a second? Now say this, I am attached to the life-giving force of the Father of all eternities. He lives on the inside of me. I am the answer to death, destruction, debt, and disease. It leaves me when I'm around, the anointing on me drives it off pushes it back. There's victory in me. There's life in me. There's power in me. There's a name inside of me. There's faith I operate in. There's an anointing on me. There's grace on me. Say it out loud. I am a part of the living, breathing, resurrected, all-powerful Son of the living God. I'm a member of the body of Christ who was raised from the dead is now seated at the right hand. He lives, I live. And the life I live right now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Glory to God. Now give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Be seated for a second. Be seated. Listen, 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 listen. The life giver's in the room. I'm going to come something right back to something that uh, Brother Larry said. I saw now why the Lord had me just to say and announce it right there because he said something at the end that you might not be aware was such a Holy Ghost statement. The deliverance is awesome. It's wonderful, spectacular, and all of that. But the thing he said at the end was just as important as what I came to deliver to you today, and I'll tell you in just a second what that is. But before I tell you that, we've got some spiritual sons and daughters. They're going to be coming through, you know, all over the world. I'm so grateful. And uh, y'all have met them, Toby and Miranda Hernandez. They're coming through back to Indiana, you know, for Thanksgiving, and we'll have a little bit of a stint with them at some point. Um, but just contacted you. Do you mind if I tell the... This, I mean, maybe you should tell it. Should you? Do you need to tell it? Yeah, I'll read it. Sure. If I can read it, that'd be even better. We were, uh, I've already told you the story <clears throat> how that 
It was the 44th anniversary of the ministry. The dad had gone to heaven. We were down there. There's a lot that went on with that. But how the mama, Brother Toby's mother, her knees were recreated in the meeting. And how, you know, she saw the angels working with us. When Lord was talking, how the angels went through the crowd and so forth. Well, there were a number of words of knowledge by the, by the miracle healing power of God. And we've continually gotten miracle creative reports back uh, as they're, they continue to roll in. The, the system, and particularly the medical system, uh, some of the tests and other things are a little slower. So that was August, and this report just came from that meeting. And I'd like to, like to read this to you. Glory to God. Uh, Miranda sent this to us just, well, yesterday, day before, something like that. Said, I am also super excited to share this newest, the newest testimony with you from your trip here. We have a couple who've been in our church for a year now. They've been trying for a baby for three years before they joined the church, our church. We began believing with them and helping to correct some wrong teaching that they had received concerning their desire for children. We don't have time to get into that, but, uh, but wrong teachings keep them from it is one thing. Uh, the week before you, uh, yeah, she said Papa there. Our spiritual parents came, they all came. The week before y'all came, she went for a checkup and had 18 cysts in one ovary and 13 on the other, which had been normal for her since she had started her cycle all those years before. She was so full of faith when y'all laid hands on her the second night, and one month later, she went for her checkup. She was cyst-free. For the first time in, your li- in her life that she could remember. She testified, of course, and the church went wild. But on Thursday, they announced they're pregnant. Anyway, she talks about the excitement and the covering and the miracles. Now, we're talking about life now. The author of all of life put his anointing on her organs to produce life that he created her to produce. Glory to God. They were believing for a child, couldn't have a child. And I remember, I remember the word of knowledge and she was standing there. I remember, don't you remember the power of God on her so strong and the we and wow, man, she just stuck to the floor and all that and stayed. Well, God was doing divine supernatural surgery. They disappeared. Of course they disappeared. They're not of God and anything God hadn't planted will be uprooted. Anything God hadn't put in your life is about to come out by the roots. I said, anything the devil's done in your life is about to come out by the roots. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I said, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Woo! Can you give me just a few more seconds here? You don't know it, but all morning I've been preaching about faith for deliverance. Hallelujah. And the whole reason I have been is because the Lord a few weeks ago said to me, there's a false doctrine coming to the body of Christ concerning martyrdom. In other words, there are people that without a healthy understanding of the covenant and God's will and God's plan will overtly and unknowingly open themselves to God's enemy for the devil to take them out of this planet early thinking they're doing God's service when really it's the devil trying to get a false doctrine in their mind to lay down and yield to it. Now, there is martyrdom, and it's not only honorable and rewarded in a powerful way by God Almighty, 
It's a phenomenal seed sown, and it's a great sacrifice. But when I read the Bible, there's two things very clear. I don't see one place when somebody was martyred in the Bible that they knew it ahead of time or God told them they were destined to it. Which means the devil always came at them trying to, trying to get them out of the way. Second thing is, if the apostles were appointed to martyrdom, they should have known so and acted correspondingly. But since you don't see any of the apostles readily submitting to death, but resisting it at every turn, pushing it back, and being raised from the dead till they got finished. See, if, if Jesus really wills it, then it ought to be seen in all of his initial followers that established the foundation of the church. Now, there is a doctrine of martyrdom in the book of Revelation where the blood of the martyrs cries out from under the altar, whatever. I'll get to that in due time. But the Lord didn't tell me to deal with the, the right doctrine of martyrdom. He just told me to correct the false one. And here's why. Because people will have the attitude and they're always trying to, you know, some way get in the emotional side. They do it in youth groups and youth camps. And, and they'll say, uh, if a man put a gun to your head, would you deny Jesus? You know, they're trying to develop loyalty. You know, you're, you're producing fear. And that's happening in Christian meetings. Those questions. Instead of being taught the authority of the name of Jesus. And that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And develop in faith that if they ever get a gun pointed at their head unexpectedly and they pull the trigger, nothing will happen because an angel's right there. Fear opens the door to it. And what we have to understand is fear of death will keep somebody in bondage their whole life. And so we've got to find some way to cope with it. Right? Well, what we have to do then is clean it up, you know, put a new dress on it, put perfume on it, and find some scriptures that somehow taken out of context to support it and make it a Bible thing. <laughs> no, it's fear, pure and simple. And it is not right. If God had won't, listen, yeah, I'll go that far. The Lord's telling me to go, just, just, he's asking me to drill down on this thing, so I don't know what's coming, but I'm going to drill down on it. If God wanted men to die, he had his perfect opportunity when Adam sinned in the garden. He told Adam, don't eat of this tree. If you do, and the day you eat, you shall surely die the deaths. Now, if, follow, my, follow this now. If that was God telling Adam his punishment, for disobeying. If that was what that was, then when Adam ate of the tree and sinned, God should have wiped him out. Or he's not a God of his word. He lied. God was not telling Adam what he was going to do to him if he disobeyed. Boy, I tell you one thing, you better be in by 10 o'clock or you're going to have hell to pay. Quiet, quiet. That's not, that's not the way God the Father operates. No, that was the father who loved him 
warning him. I don't want you to die. So don't touch this because if you do, you're going to die and I don't want that. Well, he touched it anyway and he died anyway. And God revealed his nature by stepping in between Adam and death for nearly a thousand years with a covering of blood and did it so he could get a seed in the earth to get all of his kids back. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God's not into human sacrifice. If God was into human sacrifice, he would have let Abraham kill Isaac on the altar. You find that in heathen cultures where you got to appease the gods for a good crop and you got to take some baby, firstborn baby in the village of that year to the cliff and throw it off to, you know, the crocodile god or something. That's No, that's demonic. He's not into infanticide. Let me, let me explain something to you. If God's appointing people to die in martyrdom, then he should be blessing America many times over. Because we've killed almost 70 million babies. Oh. Oh, you mean abortion's not martyrdom? You better bet it is. They never saw the light of day. And their blood's crying out under that altar right now to be avenged. God never willed one of them. But he can fix it. And the mama that's distraught because the devil accuses her night and day because she did it before she was even born again and now she just can't get past the image and every time that the due date rolls around and the birthday she's steeped in depression. God will deliver her from that and show her that child in heaven. He'll visit her. He'll totally deliver you. Not only from death itself but from what death causes which is the grief and the torment and the term. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. And there's deliverance in the room for you today. I said there's deliverance in the room for you today. He loves you. He wants you to live and be strong and live an abundant life. Glory be to God. Now here's the thing. Somebody said, well, I'll die for the Lord. And I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm glad. So will I. But I already did. See, I already died for him. I mean, do you really think? I mean, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I get it. I'm quite sure I don't have the highest IQ in the room. But I'm not a bumbling idiot either. So surely there's something I could do to support my family and make a living that would require less sacrifice to take care of my family than preaching. Come on now. I'm laying my life down for him constantly. Fasting, praying, interceding, forgiving when people divorce me and leave me and betray me and lie about me. Huh? I just got to the place now where I've matured past it enough to where I realize critics don't count. I just don't give a rip anymore. And it's not because I'm old or senile or hard. I've outgrown it. It took me a while. It took you a while to what? To die to it. 
But I'm pretty much dead to it. You can kick a dead corpse. They won't scream. They don't sue you. They don't say, boy, I'll tell you one thing. You better be looking over your shoulder. You stab it, beat it, shoot it, and it won't do a thing because it's dead. See, once you're dead, there's only one thing left, leaving the body. Come on now. Come on now. Do you understand what's going on here? And that's an exodus. That's where I'm going anyway. And I won't even know I'm out of it for a while. I mean, one step here, the next breath I'm there, and I say, Jesus, what are you doing here? He's going to say, well, I was going to say the same thing for you. What are you doing? That's what he did to Alan Crider. devil tried to take him out on Easter Sunday with an aneurysm. She had an open vision. Heard the Spirit of God say, call him back from the other side. He got up there and said, Jesus, what are you doing so here? Here, you're so beautiful. And Jesus said, I'd like to ask you the same question. He was there early. Because he took on, we were preaching on mammon and there's a whole story behind it. He asked Jesus, what happened? What he Later on he asked him, Lord, I don't understand how I know you raised me from the dead. I know you've restored me and kept the ministry, kept me in the earth. And we need to pray for him because the lingering effects of that. There's some things the Lord has said, and we need an absolute creative miracle for him to totally finish his race because what Satan was after was his voice, and he was intubated so long it damaged his vocal cords. And we just, we've had so many miracles. Let's get the rest of it. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. God's a creator of vocal cords. He gives voices. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't have time to get into that story much more, but simply to say that, uh, and so the Lord basically showed him many things and, and he heard us calling him. Our voice came out of Jesus' mouth in heaven. Jesus opened his mouth and our voice came out. He said, you have to go back. Are you listening to me? I want you to understand and later on, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what happened? How did I open the door past that covering that that happened to my body? And I had been teaching a message dealing with dismantling mammon. Well, I had been at his church, and we had a, just a massive move of God. Well, it came on him so strong because they were, they were dealing with some things, and they were under a great amount of pressure. I won't get into that. Except that he began to preach that message because he picked up on it and realized so he began to preach that message. He asked Jesus, did I ever tell you this? He told me this. He said, Jesus, how did I get here? What, what, why? What opened the door to the covering that allowed the enemy to take me out like this? And Jesus said, that was that mammon demon. He said, you took on so much care, your brain, your brain exploded. That's sobering. If you ask the Lord, he'll tell you what's wrong. Somebody went to heaven early one time, and I asked the Lord, why are they? I need them, Lord. What are they in heaven early for? I heard him say, just in a, in a term where that he was like, once he said it, it was like, and don't ask me again. Don't, I don't want to talk anymore about this. It was kind of that, you know how when mama answers you, you know, and you, you, like, you know the conversation's over. That's, he said something to me, and I knew the moment he said it, the conversation was over. I might as well not even talk anymore, and I didn't. 
Because it was clear to me. I said, Lord, why, why is so-and-so in heaven? I, I need them. And the, he said, it was a matter of the tongue. I knew right then, just not even take on any concern or accusation or wonder how did I miss it or could I have covered them, could I have prayed them out of it? Because they were mature enough and had heard enough word, they killed themselves with their own tongue and I could do nothing about it. Now God will deliver you from that kind of stuff because it trips you up. See, you get all concerned, you take on this, I just don't understand why, what happened. Lord, I just don't understand. I just don't. You better watch what you're saying. Cast that over on the Lord. Secret things belong to the Lord our God. This word works. I don't care who you thought was a good person that you don't think it works for. I guarantee you it worked. They just didn't take hold of it. And if you will take hold of it, you'll be delivered. Glory to God. Glory to God. So let me finish up in just a couple of minutes with this, with this thought here because I really, I really want to at least get this out. Hallelujah. Faith for deliverance. Say that phrase. Faith for deliverance. Say it again. Faith for Say it one more time. Say, I have faith for deliverance. I know you do. You know how I know it? Because you've been hearing it. Glory be to God. That's how I know you have faith for it. You've been hearing it. That's how I know you're not, no more, no more of this. Not checking out early. Do you hear me? Did you hear me? No more of this stuff in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. We put our foot on it now by the authority of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We bind that demon and the spirit of Antichrist and that false spirit that's trying to get you out of the way. Hallelujah. No, there's going to be a reversal of course. The Lord said to me very strongly about a week ago, he said, walls will fall in the fall. Can you say that out loud? Walls will fall in the fall. Say it again. And then he said to me, by the new year, there's going to be testaments of the turnaround. Say it out loud. Testaments. Say, I'll be a testament. Now, I, would, I know that wasn't me. Because I would have said testimonies of turnarounds. That would have been what I, he said, no, testaments of the turnaround. That means a testament's a covenant. He said, my covenant's going to go to work for my people and create a turnaround that looked impossible, that couldn't come from the natural. They're about to have some harvest. Some walls are going to fall. Some turnarounds are going to happen. Some deliverances are going to come. We're in harvest time, an unusual harvest time. Y'all are about to be some testaments, testaments of a turnaround. I'm telling you, that guy two weeks ago at the fairgrounds got a turnaround because some testament walked by. The New Testament walked by. And that day, the New Testament's name was Larry. And Larry knew a name greater than his name. And that name was Jesus. And in that name, Larry's words carried such power that he didn't know where he went, but it came back. Testaments of the turnaround. In the name of Jesus, life is coming out of death. Healing is coming out of sickness. Victory is coming out of defeat. Glory be to God. This is turning around. Hallelujah. This is turning around. Glory be to God. Woo! Glory to God. 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 Shout it out loud. I will be. In the name of Jesus. A force. An imprint, 
and uh, uh, impenetrable. That's what I wanted to say. Impenetrable, immovable force for the devil to mess with. Now shout it out. You hear that, devil? I'm saying it so you'll hear it. I cannot be moved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout today. Glory to God. 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 Woo. Glory to God. Woo. I'm about to have church all by myself. God. I'm watching. I'm watching. Be seated for one second. I'm watching. I'm watching. You need to see this. Look. Deliverance. Say it out. Deliverance is the will of God. Say it again. Say it one more time. So we're about to prove something here from the scripture very quickly. And we'll do it off the big screen because I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching my time here. Look what it says in Galatians 1, 3, verses 3 and 4. Look at this. Grace be to you. Now, this is grace in operation. I said what you're about to read is grace in operation. Grace be to you and what? Peace, Peace from who? God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 now. Who meaning Jesus, gave himself for our sins. <laughs> now, didn't you say, he that seen me, seen the Father? Didn't he say, Lord, I come to do thy will, O God? Well, we're about to read the will of God because this is what Jesus came to do. Who <laughs> gave himself for our sins, which indicates our sins, was the linchpin that held us in bondage. Can you see that? It's, we got a chain around the gate, but we got a lock, a locking mechanism, right? The lock that holds that chain around the gate where the gate's immovable, sin. Well, what happened when he fixed the sin problem? He blew the lock apart. Are you the righteous of God in Christ? Yes. Then it is wrong for you not to be delivered. Yes. You hear that? To yes. so be in bondage and be righteous, huh? Are antonyms. They're opposites. Being in bondage is the opposite, right? Of righteous. If I'm righteous, I'm supposed to be free which means bondage is wrong. Bondage is unright. <laughs> Glory to God. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us. Ooh! Well, I know, you know, death is a healer, and when you die, you're not going to have it in heaven. I know that all my stuff's over there, and when I get over there, all the tears will be wiped away. There'll be no more pain or sorrow. Oh, read what he said. Say, deliver us. Deliver us. Is that plural? Yes, sir. What is he delivering us from? 
I'm appointing you to martyrdom so I can get you out of here where the devil can kill you so I can bring you home where, you know, you're delivered from the world. That's not what he said. To deliver us from. From what? Anybody presently going through anything? Huh? Come on now. Is there anybody present that presently is dealing with anything? He came for you. He came for us to deliver you, to deliver me from this, say it out loud, this present evil world. Woo, glory to God. God wants me delivered from what? He wants me delivered from what? This present evil world. According to what? To the will of God. Say, it is the will of God, will of God. for us to be delivered, to be delivered. From, from this, this present, present evil world. Woo! Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. <laughs> Say, my deliverance, my deliverance is the will of God. Oh, glory be to 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 God. And I have faith for deliverance. I will be delivered. I am being delivered. I shall yet be delivered. We're going, hey, 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 hey. We, we just got a couple more scriptures. Stay with me over here real quick. Let's look at this one. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 and 11. Woo, glory to God. Look at what it says here. You've fully known my doctrine. A false doctrine of martyrdom. Not this, no. This is Paul's doctrine. If anybody ought to know about suffering, Paul should. If anybody ought to know about folks trying to kill him, Paul should. He didn't seem to ascribe to the theory that he was going to glorify God more by dying early than by writing the Testament. Seems like to me he bore more fruit planting churches. Seems like to me that because he lived his life out and went to the third heaven and wrote what God told him to write, that 2,000 years later, my life is better. I wonder what would have happened to my life, who God would have found, how the Bible could have become the Bible if Paul had gotten martyred. In fact, the scripture says from his own writings that when he was in jail at Philippi, he was deciding whether he's going to die or not. <laughs> he said, I'm going to straight betwixt two. I don't know yet if I'm ready to go. <laughs> Woo! So, I mean, if this is a doctrine, Paul didn't know it. <laughs> you have... You have fully known my doctrine. Are you listening? What we're about to read is doctrine. Say, I'm about to read doctrine. You fully know my doctrine, manner of which I'm going to be martyred. My purpose, hard to fulfill a purpose in a pine box. 
faith, long-suffering. You know, to have long-suffering means you've got to live long. Love. Patience. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. Persecutions. And afflictions. Which came at me. I, Antioch. Iconium. Lystra. This is my doctrine. What persecutions I endured. Where they stoned me and left me for dead and I rose from the dead and walked 30 miles and preached the next day at Derby. My doctrine. Woo, glory to God, my doctrine. My doctrine. Here's my doctrine. Out of them all. You want to know what doctrine I'm preaching? Out of them all, the Lord's going to deliver you. Out of no matter what comes at you, the Lord is going to deliver you. It is the will of God to deliver you from this present evil world. Out of all of it. Out of all of it. No matter what's coming, no matter when it's coming, no matter how it's coming, no matter who it's coming through, out of all of it. Go ahead and remain standing. I got, I got these two verses. I'll close with these. Look, what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read verse 9 and 10. Look at what it says here. Powerful, powerful. Glory to God. 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 Paul said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now that can sound like God appointed us to death. But the word sentence is the Greek word for answer. I first discovered this. I didn't hear anybody else preach it, but years ago I dealt with the Lord and said, quit letting Satan press you out of your measure. And he took me to some of these verses, and this is one of them, where he said, no matter what comes at you, you can despair even of life, but you have the answer to death inside yourself. He said, so the word, let's read the word answer in there because that's what it means and I don't have time to develop that. But we, ha we had the answer, the sentence, the judgment. We were given the authority to judge death, but it's inside ourselves. Glory be to God. That we should not trust in ourselves. What's he saying now? I don't trust in my physical strength. I'm not moved by what I feel like. These symptoms can't stay. They're lying symptoms and temporary, but the real me inside myself has resurrection life. It's going to heal this death-doomed body. I got the answer to the symptom inside me. Do you hear what I said? Notice what he said. So that we should not trust in ourselves, but who should we trust in? God who's killing people to show how big and bad he is, to showing you that he's in control. Well, don't you think if God gets the glory out of martyrdom, he ought to mention it here? He's not talking about God being party to their death. He's talking about every time death comes, God raises them up. Do you see this? We're not going to trust in ourselves because it may look like no hope, no way out. I'm dead tomorrow. 24 hours can't come. I'm gone. But I don't trust in me. Because it's not by might, not by power.
but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord, and the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, so I trust in God who raises the dead. Now look, who delivered us? It seems to me if a kingdom divided against itself won't stand, then God is really confused if he's going to deliver some from death and others not from it. Well, I mean, it just says right here. Well, did, did, did the cherries line up? Did he get three sevens? Did, did he draw the golden ticket, the short straw? Well, huh? No. Did God change for Paul? Who? Who's the who? God. We trust in God who raises the dead. Who? God who raises the dead delivered us. He delivered us from what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey. He delivered me from a greater death than he delivered you. No, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, you boys, you don't even know what it means to face death. You're whining about it raining and having to come to church. He said, I've been shipwrecked three times, beaten with rods and flogged five times, stoned and left for dead and deaths often, starving in the night, fastings often, shivering in the cold among wild beasts at Ephesus. I've had lions and everything else trying to eat me. And you boys think, threatening me to mess up the church with a little false doctrine is going to get me off my game. He's delivered me from such a great death. That means there were many great opportunities for me to die. <laughs> I just didn't take him up on them. How about you? So he has delivered us from so great a death. He does deliver us. In whom we trust, he will. So it's his will to deliver us. It's his will to deliver us from them all. And it's, will, it's his will to do it more than once and every time it comes. Evidently, I have been delivered. I am being delivered. And I can guarantee you there's no question about it. Whatever's coming that I don't even know yet, I will be delivered. Glory be to God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And deliverance belongs to me. It is the will of God. I'm getting delivered right now from this present evil world in Jesus' name. Can you give the Lord a shout? Come on, I give the Lord a shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to stick with the King James on this one. Final verse. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Now, there's a reason that I'm turning to this verse. It's because instead of preaching from it, I've been preaching toward it all morning, which means I'm just going to crack the nut. We're going to get into this in great detail. The Lord spoke to me and made me to know and told me that I had to share it with you. This is Esther. You know the decree. You know the story. I'm not going to take time to tell you about the story, but all the Jews are going to be executed. And here it says, if you all together hold your peace at this time, look at this phrase, then there shall, 
Say it out loud. What? Say that, say that one word three times. Say it again. Enlargement and deliverance. You need to understand why you've been contained. It's not God doing it. He's not the one waiting. Huh? No. He's wanted you to be bigger than you are, stronger than you are, more healthy than you are, more prosperous than you are since he rose from the, the dead. It's not God holding you back. Enlargement is going to require the breaking of containment. Glory to God. And we're about to break containment on every side. Did you hear what I said? We're about to break containment on every side. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And y'all got me stirred up. I, I've overdone it today. Overcooked the books. Everybody okay? I can sense the anointing in the room. I can sense your hunger. I can see your reception. And I realize we didn't overdo it in that way. It's just that I've internally put my faith on some things. Because there's a bunch of babies coming. I said, there's a bunch of babies coming. And I'm working on the format for their deliverance. <laughs> when things get to hooping and hollering, us standing up and shouting, there's folks in here that need what we're shouting about. We're shouting because we believe it. Others came in here oppressed. And it's time for us to use our faith for their deliverance. It's time for us to use our faith for their enlargement. Glory to God. And we're about to break out on the right and the left. I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me about the hundredfold. And he said that, that Isaac received a hundredfold in the same year. And he said something to me this morning. He said, you know, a farmer expects to reap a crop every year. And he began to talk to me about the key to this coming harvest. And he said, the ones that are going to get the supernatural breakthrough are the sowers. Not those that have just sown here or there. Not those that even think that they sowed a big check and, well, that was my due for a while and I can relax for a little bit. No. The sowers. Sowers. He began to talk to me about Isaac and he pointed out to me something I never heard anybody say. And that is, he received a hundredfold the same year, which indicated nobody else got a crop that year, but every year they plant, they get a crop that year. Which means, the Lord said to me, you, talking to me and you, you should be getting a crop Every year. Which means no matter what's happened this year, it's going to increase even next. And the next. And the next. And we've got some exciting, stunning, supernatural, wonderful, miraculous things that are coming up that we're going to be able to share with you as harvest this year. You ain't seen anything yet. You get ready to tear the roof off the place. <laughs> enlargement has come and it's only just begun. I said enlargement has come and it's only just begun. I said enlargement has come and it's only just begun. It's already started. I've been sitting on it for a few weeks till I got the right time, but it seems to me Thanksgiving is a great time and so we're going to make this announcement in Thanksgiving and give thanks. Enlargement has come. I said enlargement has come. Containment is broken. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. 
and I'm telling you, deliverance and enlargement is coming to your life. Yes.